Mr. Lauren Mole, can you believe it's been three years I've been doing this Judd's Napa Valley show? Wow, that is amazing, Judd. Congratulations. Thank you. I am really excited. It seems to have gone by in just a second. It's been so fun getting to know some of these characters of Napa Valley, and I really appreciate you being along for the ride as well. Why, sure, Judd. It's been an honor. And mine having the professionalism of your on-air announcing as well. Three years. Oh, thanks, Judd. Indeed. Today's show, we feature a young winemaker, Alejandro Castillo Yamas of Yamas Family Wines. Just a cool guy. He's got a great story, great attitude, great philosophy. You know, it's just great. So I know you're going to enjoy the show. Before we get to the meat of it all, I'd like to invite you to come visit my family and our winery at Judd's Hill. We're at the south end of the beautiful Silverado Trail here in Napa Valley, and we love to welcome visitors. Information to come see us is available at Lauren www.judshill.com. That's right. And while you're looking around online, be sure to, to, to cruise around the website. There's recipes to pair with our wine. There's photos. There's poetry. There's some, in my humble opinion, some great videos that are uh, kind of kooky and quirky that you're going to get a kick out of. And uh, there's wine, Lauren. Folks can actually get some wine while they're online. That's right. You'll get 15% off your entire wine order if you type in coupon code JN. V, S, all in lowercase letters. No capital letters, please. Otherwise, you will not get this offer. (laughs) That's right. Those are the terms and conditions of this offer. And that's true. That's a special perk for our listeners. If you'd like an even better deal than that, you can join our wine club. All the information is right there on the website. I think it's the best wine club, don't you? One of the best, if not the best. Thank you, Lauren Mull. You certainly will get to try all of our wines. You'll get invitations to special events and plenty of other perks. We'd love to have you, and we do guarantee... A good time. We sure do. Thanks. Now let's uh, let's meet Mr. Alejandro Castillo Llamas. Hey, Judd, we can't waste any more time. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. Here's my bud Judd, who makes fine wine from the vine. With his great reviews, we can all cheer. We can have his fine wine any day of the year. But let's make this Easter shine with a bottle of Judd's Hill wine. And here's your host, Chad Figglestein. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren Mole. That was quite a nice intro, and you even got a plug-in for the wine. Thanks. I did. Hey, welcome back, Judd. Thanks very much. Nice to be here. We were off, and I hope you had a nice uh, break. What have you I been did. up to? You were singing and doing your wonderful, oh, that's right. your wonderful crowd-pleasing, toe-tapping tunes at the arena. That's right, at Oracle Arena. Me and my friends from Everybody is a Star Foundation got to sing the Star Spangled Banner. Tell us about it. How'd it go? Yeah, man, it was great. But I tell you, Judd, if I was talking like a real sportscaster, I'd say this game was a slam dunk. Fabulous. It always is when Lauren Mole is involved. That's very cool. You get this opportunity to... I mean, are you jaded about this? You've, you've sung uh, in front of the Oracle Arena, in front of the, uh, the Oakland A's, in front of the San Francisco Giants games. That's right. And are you still excited, or is it just like, all right, I'm doing this again, no biggie? No, I'm, I'm always excited. Good. 
You, you're an enthusiastic young man. You want to talk about the Everybody's a Star organization and how you get to have these opportunities? Oh, sure. Well, uh, Everybody's a Star is a Sonoma-based nonprofit organization that helps showcase the talents of of special needs individuals like myself and special broadcast quality music videos. And so you do the music videos. If folks go to everybodystar.org, they can see your video. They can see all the other talented folks have their videos up there. But then you also get to go out and about performing, and that's how you get to do these uh, stadium gigs, right? That's right. Yeah, what, what else have you done through them? Hmm. Well, I've been to Boston. That hey. was three years ago. And tell us what you did there. Oh, we got to perform at the Boston Green Fest. Wow. Wow, and didn't you get to also go down to San Diego last year? Uh, well, close enough. Carlsbad. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was uh, already, I can't believe it was already 11 months ago. It was that long ago? That long ago. And you sang in front of a big crowd there? I did, for the Specialized Carriers and Riggers Association. It yeah. was a success. I'm sure it was, man. You're always involved in something good. I am. You got any theater coming up? We haven't talked about this in a long time. You used to always have some theater production, and we were just doing a mic check, and you were doing some lines from the... Declaration of Independence, which reminded me of you doing Franklin Delano Roosevelt from Annie you played. and That's right. <laughs> very presidential. You got anything coming up theater-wise? Well, n- not really. I've not officially uh, backed out from the plays in Sonoma. Oh, you have? You have? You're yeah, just focused. It, was, it, was, it was time to move on, so I thought it was time to give someone else an opportunity. Well, that's nice, but you're still focusing on being on air. That's right. You're working over in Sonoma at a station. You're that's also right. on Artie Party's TV show. That's right. Orale. That's for you, Artie. Yep. He, he, he loves it when gringos like me say, orale. Oh, there <laughs> it you it go. makes his day. I see. It's like, it's the happiest I've ever seen him when he can get a... Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so what's yeah. been going on with you, Judd? All right, let's see. For me, you know, it's been nice. It's been a nice start to spring here. It's a beautiful day right now. Thank goodness. We've had lots of rain, which we needed, but today is just gorgeous and sunny. Hooray. Coming up, though, let's, uh, let's not dwell on the past. Let's talk about what's happening coming up. April 29th. That's a little over a month away at this point. My band, the Maikai Gents, doing our old-time Hawaiian tunes, bringing back the vibe of 1950s Waikiki. We're going to be performing at the Wine Train Depot right here in downtown Napa. All aboard! All aboard for Wine Train Fun and the Maikai Gents. All aboard for Aloha. Let's call it that. That's the name of the show. Thank you. You just helped me name our show. Oh, sure. All aboard for Aloha. That's happening Friday, April 29th, part of their Arts in April series. Every Friday, they're going to be having live music, so you can pop in every Friday in April. We're going to be there from 5 to 7 p.m. on the 29th, and it's free. So come on in. We'll have some Judd's Hill wine and plenty of other fun and surprises. Uh, What's coming up next? Ah, yes. May 15th is our annual Judd's Hill Springtime Bonanza. This is a big benefit for the Napa Valley Youth Symphony. We've got all kinds of fun, new release wines, music from the symphony themselves, you know, live and in person. Just good stuff. Details are at our website, juddshill.com. Click on events. It's $50 to attend. Unless you're a member of our Judd's Hill Wine Club, then of course, what, Lauren? You should join. You should join. Well, if you're not, you should join. But it's $50 unless you're a member, and if you are a member, it's, it's complimentary to get in. You don't have to pay the 50 bucks. So yeah, join up. What else? June 7th, this is a save the date. I'll be doing a winemaker dinner. How about that? At the Napa Valley Bistro, downtown Napa. Details to come, so you can keep an eye on our website or Napa Valley Bistro's website. But just right now, I'm letting folks know, save the evening of two. I believe that's a Tuesday. I don't have it in front of me. Is that a Tuesday, June 7th? It's midweek. I know that much. Anyway, June 7th, save that date and come see me at Napa Valley Bistro. We'll have a fabulous meal and some delicious wines to go with it. (sighs) Okay, I got out all my plugs. Shall we start this show? Absolutely. We've got a very nice guest I want everyone to meet. 
Would you please introduce this person, Lauren? Sure, Jed. Great. His wines drink well from here to the Bahamas. And all aficionados think they're the cat's pajamas. So pour a full glass and meet Mr. First Class, this young vintner, Alex Yamas. Hey. Good morning. Thank you very much. Quite the intro. I really appreciate that. He's a professional. This is Alex Yamas, a.k.a. and originally and still known as Alejandro Castillo Yamas. That is correct. Very well said. I met you as Alex, but, you know, looking into your story, you go by Alejandro Castillo Yamas. Yes, when I get in trouble with mom and dad, Alejandro. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> they always go for the long name, don't they? Yeah, they always go for the long name. Let's talk about you, man. You are a, uh, you're a young vintner, and I only, say, I only put that adjective in front because we, we, we were both <laughs> on this panel called the Young Vintner Next Generation panel. We spoke up at the uh, Culinary Institute over the weekend. I was honored to be there and also thought of as a young vintner, but you really are a young <laughs> vintner. Well, you'd be surprised. You know, I've got that Latino gene. It really helps uh, make us look uh, much younger than we actually are, but it certainly was an honor to be a uh, panelist at Flavor Napa Valley, and it was a yeah. pleasure to meet you then, and yeah. uh, I'm honored uh, to be on your show this morning. Well, I was taken with your wine and your story, and we should let folks know your wine is Yamas Family Wines. That is correct, Yamas Family Wines. And if you're playing along at home, you can go right to the website and uh you know, I noticed there's your picture doesn't come up. There's two other people. Is that your aunt and uncle? That is my aunt and uncle. They okay. are uh, uh, my partners, my business partners yeah. with the Yamas Family Wines. They essentially cut the checks, and then I'm in charge of trying to make the wine. So that's why they get their picture on the homepage. That, that is correct. Which, um, I think I, your photo shows up later, doesn't it? Once uh, you click in, or does yes, it not? we had a different website. Uh, we transitioned into something a little bit more clean and minimalistic uh, for what is currently up. But we will add a little bit more content moving forward. So expect that particular website to be spruced up just a touch here uh, in the next couple of months. I'm glad you're, you're, you're bringing it up. <laughs> sure. it, it's a call to action on my end. And it is yamasfamilywines.com. And that's spelled with the Spanish pronunciation of yamas, which is L-L-A-M-A-S familywines.com. That is correct. Okay, so folks can go look while we're speaking. But let's hear your story. I mean, I was really taken with this. You've got a great story about being born in another country, but coming here and having an amazing childhood of moving around, but learning agriculture as you did it. And, you know, well, why am I talking? Let's hear you. Well, you're absolutely right. It's not necessarily my story. It's it's the story of my family. And it's a story that I think is paralleled here in the Napa Valley. Um, we are essentially originally from Mexico. I was actually born here in the States. I was born in the Coachella Valley down in Southern oh, California. that's right. You mentioned this. You were born there, but then... Yes, and then oh, yeah. quickly uh, exposed to, to, to Mexico. Uh, my parents and grandparents, uncles, essentially the small family unit would follow an annual migra migratory pattern from Mexico all the way up to Portland, Oregon. Mm. Along the way, we would pick table grapes like Thompson Seedless and Concord Grape Varieties down in the Coachella Valley, transition north into Fairfield where we would harvest pears. After the harvest was wrapped up there, we'd make our way north into Salem, Medford, Portland, Oregon, mm -hmm. harvest some pears, cherries, oh, yeah. a little bit of almond. On the way back south, we'd stop in Corning at the base of Mount Shasta, pick olives, <laughs> and then we'd mosey on down to Mexico, spend a good three to four months, and then once the seasonality of the fruit started again, we'd make our way back up north. So... Uh, definitely uh, grew up on the road uh, a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like it. And it sounds like that must have exposed you to much of what has made you who you are. 
But that must have had its challenges too. Like, did you? How many different schools did you go to? So it's really tough to recall how many, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 12, 13 different schools growing up. Wow. And would you be in one school for a couple months and then move to another school for a couple months? Or Yes, that, that is correct. Uh, my mother was very proactive in uh, traveling with our transcripts so that we could transition. We were fortunate enough that, well, I'm not sure if it was fortunate or not, but there was a lot of other children doing the same mm. thing. So it was not uncommon. Uh, for children to attend a elementary school for a couple of months and then transition out and, and go to another one. Wow, how did you feel about that as a kid? Well, you know, it was difficult at times. Children ca- can be cruel. They have sure. no filters. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can quickly become the pariah of the school. You're this new figure. Mm. Um, I think it certainly impacts your personality. I think that uh, a lot of my friends have referenced to my personality as being chameleon-like. I have the ability oh, to really? adapt to different individuals, and uh, it's true. You're, you're you're always looking to make friends quickly, and I think that now that I have an opportunity to look look and reflect, uh, I think it's a positive. I want to make friends with with everybody. I don't think that's a bad thing, and I think being a chameleon. It's funny you mentioned that. I someone someone called me that too. Maybe I don't know within the past year or so just able to kind of adapt to whatever situation you're in. I think that's a valuable skill. I'm certainly glad that I think I'm okay with that. But for you, it seemed like it was out of a, more of a necessity. That is, that is, that is yeah. correct. That is correct. So being on the road and doing what you did with your family, how old were you and how involved were you with the actual the harvesting? So <clears throat> it, would, uh, it would change. It would really be contingent on the area we were at. I think that um, a lot of places we lived we had accessibility to schools and we would uh, spend the day at school there'd be an auntie or a cousin who would babysit us while the parents were out working in a vineyard orchard or field Mm -hmm. but I know that in certain areas uh, particularly in Oregon some of these uh, orchards were so rural that we couldn't actually make it to school so we would get out to the orchard uh, with the family it'd be really early Uh, they would give us a chance to sleep in the back of the truck Uh, When we woke up, we'd go out and we'd find them and they'd be out there either harvesting cherries or pears. And then we'd get to work. Now, my older brother and myself had an opportunity to do this. Uh, We were known as the barbers. The barbers. The barbers. And they would call us that because uh, we couldn't work with the 21-foot aluminum ladders used for harvesting the tops of these trees. Wow. So we could only harvest what was within arm's reach. And because we could only harvest the bottom ends of the trees, we were known as the barbers. Give them a little beard trim. That's exactly it. (laughs) That's a fun fun nickname. Yeah. And you live up to it. You've got a nice little uh, goatee going right now. I'm working on it. (laughs) The the only section on my face where I can grow something. So (laughs) certainly taking advantage of that. You're leaving it. You're not harvesting it. You're no. Le- you're letting it grow. <laughs> well, what an up what an upbringing you had. How did that eventually get you to where you are now in Napa Valley? So, and at what age was this? I was about 15 years of age, 14 years of age when uh, my parents were able to uh, lock down full time positions here in the Napa Valley. Uh, we had been working in Fairfield harvesting pears, and I recall one time the pears weren't ready to harvest. Um, there was a two or three day time frame where we had to wait for the sugars to get right, mm. which is very comparable to what we experienced in the wine industry. Yeah, sure. You and don't want to pick anything before it's it's ready to go. That's correct. And uh, some of these pears that aren't up to par go into canning plants 
the really nice ones get packaged and go out to market that usually end up in the grocery stores. My grandfather was kind of the patriarch of the group, and he was a very old school, hardworking uh, gentleman, and he just wasn't okay with us uh, kicking dirt for three days. So he said, I'm going to go and find us work. And he was able to find a contractor who was looking for uh, a team to come in and harvest some grapes here in the Napa Valley and mm. brings the family over, uh, get out there and uh, execute the pick. Uh, a lot of the family did such a good job that they were able to leverage that and, and land full-time positions. So oh, wow. I had an opportunity to attend a couple of elementary schools here in Napa Valley, including McPherson, mm-hmm. Carneros Elementary. Right. Uh, now uh, Stonebridge. Now, now Stonebridge. Yeah, yeah. I went to Browns Valley and... Uh, I'm sure there's another one that I'm missing. Maybe I think it was snow that, that we went to over by the outlets, if it's uh, still cold snow. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not aware, but uh, I'm, I wonder what it was that brought, um, what am I trying to say here? What, what was it that like made you stay? That's what I'm trying to say. You came here to pick some grapes, but you'd been you know migratory, it sounds like, for your entire childhood. What made the family say, okay, we're in the place we need to be now? Well, I think it was always my family's objective to... to to find full-time work, mm. uh, to find an area that was suitable for the family. Um, you know, this is a country of opportunities. They were certainly looking for opportunities. Uh, I think that it's important to, to think about, you know, a family who lives in a beautiful country with a beautiful culture, for them to just uproot and leave all of their family, their friends, their homes, their properties, their cattle. What, what would motivate them to do that? I think that opportunity is what motivated them and, and them looking for a better and brighter future for their kin and, and their mm-hmm. offspring in this case. Yeah. And as soon as my father was able to find a position that offered a good wage, that uh, offered the family stability, insurance, things that weren't accessible in the rural area of Mexico where we came from, yeah. uh, they, they said, this is the opportunity that we've been looking for. Oh, wonderful. Uh, additionally, they were excellent uh, at working and managing these vineyards, so it was almost godsend. That wonderful. Well, and there must be no doubt how how good they are or were if they were offered the full time position after one day's work. I mean, yes. that's what happened, right? That, that's that's literally what happened with a couple of my uncles. Even some of the ladies in the group, uh, even today. Some of the ladies in the family that work out in the vineyards can out prune and out harvest <laughs> a lot of the guys that come in trying to do it for their first or second season. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, you, you do it for as long as they've been doing it. You kind of become an expert, don't you? That, that's, that's, that's just it. Now, you, you, So you get to Napa Valley, get full-time work for the family, settle in. And then what gets you on the path to, you know, starting your own wine brand? Well, I had an opportunity to uh, go to school at Silverado Middle School. From there, I went to high school at uh, Vintage High. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I wanted to do was travel the world. Great. My mother and father were certainly not happy about that because they broke their backs to make sure that we continued our education. Ah. I ended up attending Harvard by the Highway, our <laughs> local Napa Valley College. Yeah. Picked up an A. AA in digital and analog electronics. Okay. So I got a chance to play in a little studio comparable to what you've got here. No kidding. Okay. Yeah, it was really great, but a lot more white balancing cameras and things mm. of that nature. And I just wanted to work. I wanted to save money so that I could travel and see the world. 
I started working in restaurants, busing tables. I worked at uh, Mustard's Grill, which is a phenomenal restaurant yeah, up in Yonville. I love it. Uh, we had Cindy in here as a oh, guest. Yeah, I would say one of the most successful female chefs in the whole Napa Valley. One of the most successful chefs. Period. period. Yeah, yeah. I, you're absolutely right. Love her food. Yeah. So after a stint at Mustard's, I was fortunate enough to land a job at uh, the French Laundry, which is, you know. Oh, yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. Nicely done. From there, I was, uh, I, I was able to be part of the team that launched the opening of Per Se in New York oh, City. Oh, wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Overlooking the park there. Yeah, fourth floor, the Time Warner building. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous view. But my time there really, really was amazing. You know, the level of attention to detail, execution of technique, scrutinizing, all elements of food, service. It's on a different playing field. And seeing these individuals create these amazing dishes and then that dish going out into a dining room Mm. that dish then being paired by a wonderful sommelier like paul roberts yeah and creating this euphoric culinary experience and and individuals just really submerging themselves in the dish and the wine the expressions of joy sometimes not shy of ecstasy um, (laughs) really made something click in my mind and i said you know i I want to emulate this. I, 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 want to, I want to do this. And my family's already been working in the Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. What am I doing in New York in sub-zero temperatures <laughs> when I could be in this beautiful valley pursuing something that, that's this magical? It and sounds like you got your education that you needed right there. That, yes. So in 2005, I headed back from New York to, to the Napa Valley and decided that I would start my own wine brand. Which we're going to talk about in just a moment. We're going to have to break pretty soon. But before we leave New York, I'm just curious, having been up and down California and into Oregon through your childhood and then coming to Napa Valley, what's it like being dropped into the middle of Manhattan and then working in that environment? Culture shock. Because I, I mean, I go there as an adult and you were... I mean, obviously, what, like 18, 19, 20? I mean... Uh, about 22. 22. 22. Okay, I wasn't sure the timeline. That's pretty young. I mean, I go now as a, however old I am, Lauren, don't tell anybody. And, uh, oh, I, I would still never feel, do that. I still feel culture shock, and I go there still once a year, and every time I land, I'm like, whoa, I'm a little out of my <laughs> element here. And I love it. It's fun. But what's it like as a young guy kind of getting your first big experience out it's uh, certainly overwhelming uh, culture shock is a great way to explain it uh, I do reflect on my time in New York a lot of people will ask me about it and I always mention my highlights were playing soccer in Central Park mm. mushroom foraging in Connecticut oh wow clam diving in Montauk <laughs> and seldomly do I ever say anything about Manhattan proper. Like, yeah, okay. I will say that I enjoyed uh, going to, to, to this eclectic mix of uh, food and cuisine, bars, uh, wine. It, it's, it's certainly one of those cultural hubs that offers a little bit of everything. And it's a city where you can get a haircut and rotate your tires at four in the morning. So it's... <laughs> It's interesting. In the same shop. In the same shop. You're absolutely right. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, you said you wanted to do some traveling. That's almost like world traveling in one city. 
But you did get out on the road. Did you not get over to Europe? Yes, I've been to Europe. My last trip uh, over there was August of last year. Mm-hmm. And I was able to make it to London for a friend's wedding. And then uh, my best friend is actually a Parisian, Stefan Jimenez. Hello, if you're listening. Stefan, <laughs> bonjour, bonsoir. Bonjour, whatever monsieur. The, whatever the oh. time is. Yes. So um, we stayed with him and his family in Paris for a few days. Then we headed down to Burgundy, did some wine tasting with my girlfriend. And I took the opportunity to stop by the uh, Romani Conti Vineyard and propose to my beautiful fiance, Uh Michelle Fishering. I hope you're listening. I love you. You did that at at Romani Conti? At Romani Conti. Ooh, you're a smoothie, man. Well, I'm trying to get her to buy me a bottle. (laughs) How'd that work? Uh, the cheapest one we found in Paris was about 14,000 euros for an off year. So it didn't go over too well. I'm not sure whether or not you'll actually go out and get me one. <laughs> <laughs> one of these days, man. One of these days. All right. We're going to take our break right now. When we come back, we're going to hear about what's happening in the world of your, your wine brand. We're going to hear about your, you're very involved in the vineyard. We're going to talk about that and some other fun stuff that you're up to. So our guest is Alejandro Castillo Yamas of Yamas Family Wines. And Lauren, what do you have to say about all this? We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after these messages. Well, we're back. I'm trying to play a little music here. Sometimes happens, but uh, there it goes. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa and streaming live in Mexico City at KVON.com. Back to Judd's Napa Valley Show. Thank you, Lauren Mole. Little technical difficulty, but we got the song on there. Uh, Violin Huapingo. This is uh, a favorite song of our guest, that, that Mr. Is, Alejandro Castillo Llamas. That is correct. Violin Huapango, one of my favorites. Yeah. Tell, tell me why that song touches your soul. Well, first and foremost, you know, my first love uh, in terms of music is, is mariachi, mm-hmm. and it's like a compressed orchestra, and I think it's uh, some of the most beautiful uh, music in the world. Uh, I like violin guapango because it highlights all of the instruments in small little compressed solos, mm. and each instrument is so unique and distinct, and I like to think about it, it, it kind of showcases my personality, like we talked about that chameleon, Yeah. so... Each one of those little compressed solos is a, a different variation of the same song. So uh, in many ways, those compressed solos can, can, can reflect my personality fluctuations oh, when I'm good. addressing different groups. Got but it. I love the song. It's a beautiful song. Well, good. I'm, I'm sorry we had a little difficulty getting on the air, though. I've got to learn what all these buttons on this board mean, yeah. but, but we got it out It there. was a very pleasant surprise <laughs> to hear it. I, oh, I, your I, face I, lit up. I, I, I didn't know yeah. that you'd have that Hey, I like to, to have play. some fun surprises once in a while. Speaking of fun surprises, what, what do you have there? Did you bring a goodie for us? I did. I did. I, I understand you you do a, a, a little piece uh, called yeah. Judd's Goodies. Get your hands on Judd's Goodies get where the guests hands. sing, bring me goodies, and I like to let listeners get their hands on my goodies. Oh, <laughs> phenomenal. Phenomenal. I love it. So uh, this morning I have brought 
a vinyl record. It's uh, the Isley Brothers oh, taken yeah. to the next phase. Uh, they're reconstructions by different artists uh, interpreting uh, different themes from the Isley Brothers. Okay. Uh, they range from Will I, Will I Am, yeah, uh, who's a, a pretty well known artist, and I know he's sang in a group with Fergie. The name is escaping. The Black Eyed Peas. The Black Eyed Peas. Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, Most Def, uh, De La Salle. Uh, we have uh, Quest Love. But from the Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon. That's exactly you it. it. You got it. It also showcases a uh, local artist who I followed and, and admired and enjoyed, uh, Rafael Sadiq. He used to play with Tony, Tony, Tony back oh, yeah. in the day. Yeah. Uh, and now he's gone solo, and his his music is is beautiful. So I I, I recommend it. So I thought it'd be something fun. This is uh, out of my personal collection. Are you sure you want to give this one away? I do want to give this one away. Um, I want to share something that's worthwhile. Okay, that's kind. Uh, well, okay, so we've got a vinyl record. This is cool. The Isley Brothers taken to the next phase from the collection of Alejandro Castillo Llamas, who we're going to talk about is a pretty well-known DJ in his own right. And listeners, if you would like to be the one to get this great piece of vinyl, be the first one to tweet. you got to use Twitter. you got to tweet using hashtag JNVS for Judd's Napa Valley Show. Put at Judd's Hill and right in there, getting my hands on Judd's goodies. The first one to come through is taking this home. I'm going to bring it back to the uh, tasting room over at Judd's Hill on the south end of Silverado Trail. You can come by and pick it up there. And if uh, no one swings by in the next three days... Uh, I'm going to take it home and listen to it. It looks great. I'm going to listen to it anyway. But you DJ, before we get into the wine, let's hear about your DJ gig. So uh, when I was in high school, there was a, a, a revolution in the uh, electronic dance music scene. And I think that it was it, it was always around. It was more of an underground uh, scene. It started to really uh, pop its head here in the Bay Area. And I got a chance to go to a couple of shows in Oakland and saw these uh, th these amazing DJs playing uh, this amazing music that was very new, very fresh. And myself and a couple of friends decided we want to do that. We want we want to <laughs> learn. Yeah. We want to learn what they're doing. So uh, we kind of uh, put together this this little uh, plan to to go out and buy some turntables and a mixer and a couple of speakers and, and, and become DJs. Uh, little did we know that these uh, turntables were about $900 a piece. Oh, wow. Uh, the mixer was about $1,500. Oh, uh, it was certainly out of our budget. Yeah, but once you're a DJ, you can make a quarter of a million a night. I've been to Vegas. I don't oh, know what there, there yeah. you go. I don't. That's think a we small. Ever... That's a small investment. <laughs> that is very true. All you need to do is buy the equipment, and then you're making that kind of money. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least so we thought. Uh, so uh, three of us uh, pitched in uh, our, our our money, and we were able to get uh, two turntables, a mixer. We went over uh, to the Guitar Center in Concord, <laughs> spent about $3,000, wow. which for high school kids is yeah. a million dollars. That's a lot of dough. It's a lot of dough. We get back to my parents' place. We set up all of the equipment. We plug in some speakers that were at the house. Mm -hmm. We're probably not appropriate for it. And we have everything set up. We turn on the turntables. We turn on the mixer. We have the speakers ready to go. And then we find out that we need needles 
to actually <laughs> play the vinyl. <laughs> didn't have, they didn't come with needles? They didn't come with needles. <laughs> so it literally took us about another month to raise the extra $250 to get these nice Ortofone oh, yeah. uh, stylus tips. Because you can't just have any needle. I've learned that. I've you, known some DJs. They have to be specialized. Special needles that have diamond tips. So these things are about 150 if you're getting the, the whole stylus. Oh, and then you can just get the, the, the replacement uh, stylus for you know, $50, $40, something like that. But we started uh, playing around with, with music. Uh, this was back in 1998. Yeah. I think it was probably somewhere in the 2000s when I was able to finally actually match two songs together <laughs> so that it didn't sound like s what we used to call sneakers in the dryer, where the beats are so off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes absolutely no sense. That's a good analogy. I like that. It's something that, that that's uh, dear to me. I've done it for... For many, well, basically, I've done it since 1998. Mm -hmm. uh, I've gotten pretty proficient uh, with it. Gig? You got some, you got some. You know, I've really become more of a closet DJ these days. But uh, it, when I was when I was doing it frequently, I had an opportunity to DJ in uh, Guadalajara, down in Mexico. I've DJed in uh, Paris, France. I've DJed wow. in. Uh, New York, we had a... Wait a minute, you were like the international jet set DJ. <laughs> well, I wouldn't put it that way. I think I, I would thought you were pretty cool, but now, my goodness. <laughs> no, I would look for opportunities to DJ when I was uh, when I was in different cities. So you have to travel with your uh, records? and Yes, and yeah. it was miserable. Vinyl yeah. is so heavy. Yeah. So uh, for all you DJs that, that DJ out of your laptops, congratulations. <laughs> you don't have to haul 180 pounds worth of vinyl. Would you have it any other way? I wouldn't have it any. To this day, when I still do uh, any gig, I still focus uh, primarily on uh, vinyl. Uh, I do integrate um, a program called Serato that allows me to take uh, digital files from my MacBook Pro, and I use special vinyls that uh, convert the digital signal to analog mm. so that I can then control uh the, the the digital format as if though it was an analog. You're way over my head, but it sounds fascinating. It, it's it's <laughs> pretty cool. Um, there is one one gig that I've done um, reoccurring, and, and uh, uh, I've had the honor to uh, play music at the French Laundry holiday party. Oh, hey, uh, that's that that has now become the Thomas Keller Restaurant Group holiday party, and yeah. and we see all of the people from uh, Bouchon French Laundry. Uh, Bouchon right. Bakery, everybody that... that, that and wrote. you're getting them moving. What's your DJ name? So, I really never promoted this, but growing up, uh, a lot of my friends would call me Tooth because I have big teeth. And uh, you, I, give, me, give me a smile. Let me see. <laughs> they, look, they look fine. What are you talking maybe about? Maybe I've grown into them. So, I, I always went by... And they're perfect, by the way. Congratulations well, to your orthodontist, or is that thank, all natural? You know, believe it or not, I, I went to the to the dentist not too long ago, and he said, uh, when did you get your braces taken off? And I said, I've never had uh, braces. I good, was just, clean living. I good for you. Lucked out, so thanks, all Mom. Right. Thanks, Dad. So, Tooth. DJ Tooth. DJ Tooth. DJ Tooth. Uh, my best friend from Paris, uh, Stefan, uh, we met at the French Laundry, and he came in from Paris. He was a pastry chef. And lo and behold, he's also an exceptional DJ. And because he was a pastry chef, he went by DJ Sweet. Oh, so, I got, I'm, I'm a hitty on this one. Yeah, so when we lived together in yes. New York, working in per se, when we went out and did gigs together, Sweet Tooth. <laughs> 
I, you know, I would, is there any YouTube of this anywhere? <laughs> I gotta check that out. All right, this is cool. Keep me in the loop. Whenever you got a next DJ gig coming up, I gotta check it out. I sure will. Uh, let's talk about the wine, though. You you have now, with your uncle, you say, started Yamas Family Wines. That is right. And you have a deep connection with the Stagecoach Vineyard. Yes. This uh, is a renowned vineyard in Napa Valley. A lot of people getting fruit off that, making some world-class wine. Let's talk about your connection there. At the time, I was still in sixth grade, and I was going to Vichy Elementary, another school I didn't mention earlier that I had an opportunity <laughs> part of, to part attend. Part of your hit parade of schools, all right. That, that's it. So I was going to Vichy Elementary. Uh, we lived at the top of Soda Canyon Road, and uh, the whole family, we lived in a small little trailer, and 3360 Soda Canyon Road was the address, Richard McCabe's property, uh, rest in peace. We have a new gentleman move in, Dr. Jan Krupp. He yeah. builds a gorgeous home at the top of the hill, and he plants a couple of acres of Malbec. Yeah. Uh, at the time, uh, my father was working right up at the top of that same road at Atlas Peak Winery. Mm-hmm. So he approaches my father and my uncle and asks if they can tend to those two acres uh, in the afternoons and on the weekends. And they agree to it. And I have an opportunity to get out there, help clean the rows and whatever is necessary to maintain this vineyard. Uh, after that, Jan starts to expand uh, what will become Stagecoach Vineyards and asks uh, my father and my uncle if they'll stay on full time to uh, oversee his new venture. Uh, my father politely declines because he wants to keep uh, his, his health insurance benefits with Atlas Peak Winery for the yeah. whole large family. Uh, but my uncle Esteban Yamas decides to, to take uh, this, this new challenge. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that vineyard is now about a thousand uh, planted acres uh, i had the opportunity to work up there and uh, plant some of the vineyards myself oh, you did uh, well dig the holes okay well, where I the plants went in it's a world-renowned vineyard it, it is that, a world yeah. i am extremely proud of that but uh, getting uh, to shovel all that dirt pick up all those rocks mm-hmm. uh, god knows how many hundreds of tons of rock had to be removed mm. to clear that vineyard site uh, really just kind of gave you that extra con- connection of the soil composites sure. out there, the topography of the land. And it's an extremely dynamic vineyard in the sense that it has a lot of different microclimates, different exposures, and it does exceptionally well for a lot of different varieties. And, and there are several varieties. The one I tried was the Syrah. The, the Stagecoach Syrah, yeah. It was a, fantastic. So are all the wines, not all the wines that you make come from Stagecoach. No, they do not. But, but that is a primary... Source. source. That, I mean, that and is your correct. family still is involved with That is correct. Right? My, my uncle Esteban Yamas is still the vineyard manager, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, my father works up there. Uh, I have uh, uncles, cousins. It's mostly all family uh, running the show up wow. at that vineyard. Well, congratulations to y'all. That's, yeah, thank you, you know, very much. Very famous wines come from those very famous grapes. <laughs> that's, that's, very, that's very true. Well, then it sounds like you really, you really make a big deal about honoring your family and making them proud of what you're, what you're doing and the path you've taken and it seems like that sort of informs your steps when I've listened to you talk and I've read a little bit about you you want to talk about your yes absolutely so you know a a big part of of this wine program or project is to really honor our family's history in the vineyards we've been uh, coming to the Napa Valley for many years my grandfather was coming to the Napa Valley seasonally you know 40 plus years ago Mm. And we wanted to bring full circle uh, this whole integration of our family into the Napa Valley. Uh, 
it always kind of stopped in the vineyards. And I asked myself, well, why aren't we making wine if we're doing everything else but? So I took it upon myself, along with my uncle Oscar Yamas and, and his wife Lola and now my fiance Michelle, to, to, to bring this full circle. So what we do is we focus on sourcing fruit exclusively from vineyards that are farmed by our family. Ah. So in wine, we always talk about this concept of terroir, sure. uh, soil composition, climatic conditions, exposures, and then the grapes that you put on there. Uh, we, we, we have this element, this additional element, where, where our terroir also showcases the people that farm the land. And in this case, mm-hmm. it's, it's our family. And it's, it's wonderful to have individuals who've been farming the same exact land, the same exact vineyards for two to three decades and then have them at the barbecue two or three times a week <laughs> giving me detailed updates as to what's going on in the blocks where I'm sourcing the fruit. So There's something very I love sweet it. about that, too. You know, a connection not only to the land, but but the family, the history, the tradition, and then the constant getting together to talk talk it over. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's seamless. It, it really, seamless. really is seamless. And, you know, Stagecoach Vineyards is, is certainly um, not very far, but it... it, it because of the roads and, and all of that, it will take you a good 35, 40 minutes to get up to the site. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. I it's, have been up there. It's amazing. It, it is gorgeous. It's like you're in a different world. Uh, so it saves me some time. I don't have to drive up there every <laughs> single day. I try to make it up once a week, just kind of see uh, how the vines are doing and how the year is playing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's nice to get an extra two or three reports uh, weekly. Right, right. You got your your operatives up there. Yes, that's correct. Now, I read, I've read that you've said that you fell in love with winemaking's inexplicable ability to tap into who you are. Yes, absolutely. So I am it's a... It's a great quote. I want to find out what that means. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very uh, dynamic personality. Uh, we, we've discussed this already. Um, I, I, I would like to think that I'm pretty creative. Uh, I'm an in- individual who likes to take on a lot of things at once. Sometimes it's a favorable thing. Sometimes it's not so favorable. But when you take a step back, I'm a pretty complex individual. And I'm not going to say that that's not that's necessarily a positive. But some of my favorite wines are extremely complex. Sure. And we all have layers th- I mean, as a human. Go. You know, uh, I, I enjoy uh, wines with a pop of acidity. And I think I have a brightness in my personality. All right. I do have a little bit of a mean streak. You know, I'm a little Uh-oh. a little ill-tempered sometimes, particularly with some of my siblings. Uh, so, you know, I like wines that have uh, firm, grippy tannins. So <laughs> maybe that's the parallel right. there. Okay, I'm getting the gist. I'm getting the gist of it. Great way to think about it. Like you've got a good philosophy. I've got to ask you something, something I didn't find out doing my research about you, but something that I would like to find out. And I hope you'll answer honestly you seem like a pretty open kind of guy so lauren we're gonna find out hopefully hopefully we'll get some uh emails about this uh, always like having some feedback from the listeners but i gotta find out alejandro castillo llamas do you go nuts for donuts <laughs> i'm not sure if i go donut or go nuts for donuts but i certainly do love and appreciate a good donut all right well there's a box right there a beautiful pink box there's an array is there one there that's striking your fancy yes all right which one is that i'm gonna have can i please pick it up? this can is I, for you absolutely phenomenal great oh he, the classic the chocolate raised okay here we are you are now holding this chocolate 
raised glazed donut on this beautiful Napa Valley morning. And you now have to take a wine with this. We're going to do a wine pairing. We're going back to the classics here, uh, Lauren. We're going to do a wine pairing. It can be one of your own. It could be any that you've experienced at uh, the French Laundry, at Cindy's, at Per Se, somewhere in France. This chocolate donut goes with? 1945 Chateau de Cam. Wow. And is this a wine you've had? This is a wine I've had. And you're saying chocolate raised donut. Chocolate raised donut. Uh, you know, uh, an epic classic sauternes, uh, uh Very sweet. A lot of a lot of focus. Uh, kind of this orange peel character. Uh, almond, peach. Uh, still, uh, still a lot of acidity in the wine. Still very vibrant mm-hmm. for its age. Um, I think that that sweetness would match uh, this sweetness. All right. Well, I'm sorry I don't have any 1945. Will this 1983 be okay for you? The 83 will suffice. (laughs) Okay. Enjoy that. (laughs) Have that donut. And now it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here at Judd's Napa Valley Show. This is Mad Libs. That's right, Lauren Mole. It's time to play our Mad Libs style fill-in-the-blank word game with our guest Alejandro Castillo Yamas of YamasFamilyWines.com. Joining us here, Alejandro, or some people around the valley call you Alex. Alex. I, I think that uh, most people would associate me with Alex. Uh, I, it's something that I took on it to all the schools that I went to. Okay. I think, uh, you know, it, it just kind of made it easier for people to, to pronounce. So you're okay with Alex? I'm okay, I'm okay with Alex. Uh, the other day when I first met you, you were introduced as Alex, but then as I started looking into who you are, everything came up Alejandro and... Yes, if I were to pull out my driver's license, it would say Alejandro Castillo Llamas. And this morning, I wanted to make sure I had it right, so without giving you any warning, I just said, say your name. And you said Alejandro Castillo Llamas. So yes, that's correct. If you don't mind, I'm going to call you Alejandro. Well, thank you. I really, I, I do enjoy people that that, that, um, that are a little more formal like that. Um, I don't get to hear my, my, my name, Alejandro, all that often. Okay. Like unless, I said, unless you're in trouble uh, with Unless I'm mom. in trouble with mom. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so yeah, I, I really, I, I really, um, I really do enjoy hearing my actual oh, name. Very good. Then that's what you will be called on this show forevermore well, in the next three minutes that we're here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, very Alejandro. Much. Okay, you know how this game works. Yes, I'm going to ask you to fill in some blanks, and we're going to see what happens. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Okay, first, first one here is a plural noun, more than one thing. Ooh, um, monkeys. Monkeys. It's good. You can keep eating the donut. It's fine. Uh, it's a phenomenal donut. Good. Uh, from our friends at Buttercream Bakery right here in Napa. A Another plural noun. Mm, why don't we go with video games? Video games. All right. How's that working with the Sauturn, by the way? Oh, this 83 is showing <laughs> wonderfully. Good, good. A verb ending in I-N-G. Huh. That's a tough one. Um, I don't know. Excreting. <laughs> Why, Why not? Funny? I don't know. Why it's not? It's a funny word somehow. Excreting. <laughs> got it. A, a plural noun. Another plural noun. Um, hairs. Hairs. All right. And finally, an emotion. Mm. Any emotion. Well, based on the fact you didn't have that 45, I'm going to go with enraged. <laughs> well, if you're enraged, you're, you're hiding it pretty well. All right. Enraged. That's it. That's a quick one. Okay, great. All right. Can't what wait I did, to see what came out. Here we go. Because earlier today, I went onto your website, yamasfamilywines.com, and there is a brief blurb about the wines Uh-oh. and who you are. 
and you've just rewritten that. <laughs> oh my via god! This Mad Libs game. Oh no, I'm scared. Here we go. Ready? <clears throat> Our wines reflect and highlight the pedigree of the vineyard, its site, and those who farm the land. We pride ourselves on sourcing monkeys only from video games farmed by our family. You all right over there? <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Okay, good. Oh, geez. Uh, uh, sourcing monkeys only from video games farmed by our family and minimizing input during the excreting process. <laughs> oh, uh, no. That just sounds bad. It's a little contradictory. It does yeah. sound bad. Uh, from vine to bottle, these hairs ugh, are an expression of the land and our fa- oh, and our family. And we are enraged to share them with you. <laughs> <laughs> Get you some. If yeah, if you'd like to read the real blurb, I invite our listeners to go to yamasfamilywines.com. And again, that's L L A M A S familywines.com. Alejandro Castillo Yamas, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to hear your story and to have you in and to have tried your wines finally. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure. I'm honored uh, to have been on your show this morning. You guys do such a wonderful job. I'll make sure to be tuning in uh, once a week moving forward. Thanks. We look forward to having you uh, having you back sometime, and maybe um, maybe you'll find a bottle of that 45 and uh, bring it in with some donuts. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> this is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gil Lamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.